<clears throat> it's getting crazy out here. Amen. Amen. What I want to talk to you tonight, uh, my title is Faith Shines Best in the Dark. Hashtag stay woke. For the uh, five people in the room that actually have phones, you know, you can go do that on Instagram later. Hashtag Maybank Victory Life, stay woke. But in uh, chapter 5 of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the church, um, starting in verse 8, and the Word of God reads like this. It says, for you, somebody say me, because this is who we're speaking to right now. For you were formerly darkness. Can I get a witness? But now you are the light in the Lord. Come on now. We should be shining out here. You are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So here the Apostle Paul tells us if we are the light, we should be walking like the light, acting like the light, and talking like the light. Walk as children of the light. In verse 9, for the fruit of the Lord consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in the secret. It's getting like today, isn't it? It's kind of just disgraceful having conversations about what's going on out here, man. The darkness and, and the crazy stuff going on. In verse 13, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. You can turn me down a little bit. For everything that becomes visible is light. And so verse 14, this is the last verse I'm reading. It says, for this reason it says, awake sleeper. Say that with me. Awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. So in this passage of scripture right here that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus we see uh, the, the beginning of this you know, passage. You know, the Apostle Paul is talking about we are the light. We are the light of the Lord. You were once darkness, but God saw it fit in his divine will and his divine plan to pull you out of that darkness and to place you into his marvelous light. And now that you're in the light, God wants you to shine. Somebody say it's time to shine. It's time to shine. God wants you and me to shine. He wants to go, us to go out into the world and shine and let men know the good deeds and the good works that we do for the King Jesus. Amen? Amen. And at the end of this statement, he says, oh, by the way, you got to stay woke. Verse 14, he says, awake, sleeper. Stay awake. Stay woke. So let me see here. Trevor, pray for us. Amen. Ain't God good. As I'm speaking about uh, light and darkness, you know, God, God kind of showed me that, you know, with everything going on in the light of the, you know, the coronavirus and all this other crazy stuff going on. So the coronavirus is just one little bit of all the craziness that's going on out here. You know, there's some real wicked stuff, you know, people thinking good's evil and calling evil good and 
Of course, all this stuff, Jesus told us about all this stuff, that there'd be wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilences and, you know, daughter would come against mother and son would come against father. You see, you know, it says the church, everything that happens and comes along, you know, we shouldn't be surprised at this. We should understand that, hey, this is just birth pains to what's about to come. And that's why uh, in the scripture here, he says, listen, awake sleeper. And it's time to not only awaken sleeper, but it's time to stay awake. It's time to stay woke. Because everything going on in the world right now is just a glimpse. It's just a precursor to what is coming. And one day, Jesus will crack that eastern sky and he will come back for the church. But are you going to be awake and ready when he comes? As we know, that last week I talked about, uh, you know, a little bit about the, the ten virgins and five of them were wise and they got oil and five were foolish and they didn't have oil. And so I ask you tonight, are you going to be wise or foolish? Are you going to have oil in your lamp when the groomsman is coming this way? Amen. But, but we have this reassurance right here, saints. Light always wins over darkness. And right now we're in some dark times in the, in the world and I believe as a church, as the body of Christ, and even more specifically, victory life, I believe God wants our lights to shine during this time and glorify God in the darkness. Amen? Amen. I guess what I'm trying to say is we need some glow-in-the-dark Christians. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Glowing in the dark. Amen? You know, the light that does its best work in the dark. As you know, you turn these, these lights out, and I mean, you turn the lights off in here, the, the main lights, and you know, these lights on the floor right here, they, they shine bright. You know, the, the, the light spreads, you know, uh, uh, more than it would. Like right now, you can't really see it. It's just a little bit on the ceiling. Light does its best work in dark. Amen? And us as the church, during these times of turmoil, during these times of crisis, during these times of everything going on, us as the church, we should be shining even brighter. They should be looking at us and saying, hey, there's something about them. How come they're not tripping? How come they're not stressed? How come they ain't got anxiety? How come they're not freaking out? Well, I can tell you why. We're grounded in the word of God and we have Jesus in our hearts and we have Jesus coming out of our mouths because Jesus was the answer then and Jesus is the answer today and I can promise you Jesus is the answer tomorrow. Amen? Amen. So all this wilding out is foolish because God's will and God's plan is going to happen no matter what. Amen? Amen? But we should be some glow-in-the-dark Christians. You know, Korean scientists have actually developed a cat that glows in the dark. I don't know. <laughs> they say it's for genetic research. Deep in the sea, there's creatures which have been created by God to emit light from their bodies. There's even a fish, there's even a fish called the flashlight fish, which has a luminescent organ on its head just below the eyes, and it can turn its light off and on at will, presumably to attract or blind its food. And of course, we're all familiar with the lightning bugs or the fireflies you see at night, whose little bodies produce a chemical reaction within them, which causes a small light to emit from its abdomen. There are many other things that have been man-made to glow in the dark, such as watches, pajamas. You know when you were little, the little stars and, and planets you would stick on your ceiling, you'd stick on your wall, and they glow in the dark. You know, various toys, you know, that's just to name a few. Unlike the creatures deep in the sea and the fireflies, these man-made novelties require exposure to a light source before they can actually go in the dark. And what you have to understand about these, these novelties, these glow-in-the-dark items, the stronger the light, the closer the object is to the light, and the longer that it's been exposed to the light, 
the brighter it's going to glow. Amen? The brighter it's going to glow. And, and it's kind of funny that we have a parallel between these, these items, these going to dark items in our walk with God. Because the, the more time you spend with Jesus, and, then, and the stronger your relationship and your intimacy is with Jesus, and the closer you are to Jesus in your life, you see, Jesus tells us, well, the brighter you are going to glow. And during these times, the world needs us to glow. The world needs us to shine. The world needs the answer. And we all know, just like the big bus says, Jesus is the answer. Amen? Amen. And so we have this obvious parallel between these things and in our walk with God as believers. You know, we're surrounded by darkness everywhere we go. We're surrounded by darkness on every side, and yet we're even told by Jesus himself in Matthew 5, 14, that we saints, we are the light of the world. And Jesus also said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world, referring to himself. And so whoever follows me, this is what Jesus is saying, whoever follows me, follows Jesus, will never walk in darkness and will always have the light of life. And so obviously our light comes from his light and the closer we stay to him and the more we expose our lives to his light, the brighter we're going to shine. In Psalms 18, 28, you, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. Come on now, has God ever turned your dark situation into light? Has God ever turned something that's bad in your life into good? Has he ever flipped the script on the enemy and took what the enemy meant for bad and flipped it and made it for good? Do I got the right crowd this evening? Has God ever done that for you? And so we know that God has the power to take a dark situation, flip it, and turn it for the good of the kingdom. And so it's just like everything going on in the world right now. The enemy means it for bad, but how many know it's time for the church to stand up, shine, and take this opportunity to take this bad and flip it and use it for good? Amen? Amen. Amen. And go to Matthew 5.13. Matthew 5.13 through 16. You know, this is, like I just said, this is when Jesus tells the disciples, you're the light of the world. Matthew 5.13 through 16, and the word of God reads... It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the what? The what? The what? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all those that are in the house. Let your light shine. Come on now. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So we have Jesus. He's hanging out with some disciples and some followers. And uh, he gives us this profound statement that we as Christians, we as believers, we as followers of Christ, disciples, we are light of the world. So who is Jesus speaking to right here? Well, Jesus was just speaking to a crowd of ordinary folks. Yet Christ said to them, you are the light of the world. And today, you are the light of the world. And that's how God intends for his work to get done here on earth even today. He says, hey, we're the light of the world. And he wants to use us in order to accomplish his will on earth. And listen, saints, it's not just pastors. It's not just prophets. 
It's not just missionaries that God wants to use to sign in this dark world. It's everybody in this place that has a relationship with his son Jesus. It's not solely on the people behind the pulpit. It's not solely on the people behind the mic. And it's not solely for just the people who entered this stage. It's for everyone that has received Jesus. If the light is in you, God wants the light to come out of you. Amen? And you see, the world doesn't understand. The world looks at all Christians and thinks, hey, you know, that doesn't count. But, but I'm here to tell you that God can take an ordinary person, put his light within them, and use them to do awesome, mighty deeds for the kingdom of God. And when we, when we share our faith, when we share the message of the gospel, and when we share our faith, just like when we testify, you know, in, in the program, in the home, we teach you how to testify. We're teaching you how to share your light. We're teaching you how to shine. And so you got to understand the enemy doesn't want you to share your testimony. The enemy don't want you to shine. And I feel like sometimes us, especially in the home, because maybe of insecurities or, or worth issues or, or, you know, whatever it is, sometimes we fear giving our testimony. And really the enemy has us in a corner, but he's, he knows if we share our testimony, we're going to emit a ray of Jesus. We're going to shine just a little bit. A little bit of light is going to come out of us. And so we cannot be ashamed of the gospel of God and what God has done in our life. Because God wants to use us to shine. Amen? We signing out here. So Jesus was talking to who? He was talking to the disciples. What was he saying? Well, Jesus describes that in this passage, we are the light of the world. And this is what you have to understand right here. Jesus said we're light of the what? World. Jesus didn't look at his people following him. He didn't say we're the light of the church. Jesus said we're the light of the world. Come on. So if you're ashamed of admitting your light anywhere but church, you need to repent. Because Jesus didn't call us the light of the church. He called us the light of the world. And in order to sign for the world, we have to go out into the world and sign for Jesus. Amen? Amen. You just thought that bread was solely for money. Huh? You thought you was just out here because your leader didn't like you. You thought you were on that route just because the leader's trying to pick on you. Come on now, how many know all things work out for the good of those that love God and are called according to His purpose? You can put somebody in Koreatown, Chong Chow, and all they speak in is Japanese or some language I don't even know how to pronounce. And how many know you can go out there and God can put you on a divine mission and assign you divinely to someone, connect you to somebody that's had a hard day and don't know Jesus and struggling in darkness and He wants to use your life to sign on them and show them the power of God. That's what we do in the ministry. That's what we do in our churches here at Victory Life. You see, a church that evangelizes is a church that's going to keep its fire. A lot of times, churches that don't evangelize, that don't get out of these four walls, they lose their fire, they lose their life, they lose their vibrancy because they're not taking what they get in here out there. Amen? Amen? But that's what we're called to do. We're not light of the church. We're the light of the world. God knows exactly where you work. God knows exactly where you're going. God knows exactly who you're going to encounter each time you go get gas at the gas station. I was sitting over there the other day, and I was with my wife, and I was getting a beard trim. You know, I like getting a beard trim because I ain't got hair, but I still want to go to the barber and, you know, still get to experience the barbershop experience. So I go, and I get my beard trimmed, and I'm sitting there, and one of the guys were in there, 
he had actually come through the program before, and I, I began, uh, he, his friends started trimming my beard, and I started telling this dude about where I come from and how Jesus changed my life and how God changed me. And I pulled the guy outside the barber shop, and right then and there, he was struggling, he was hurting. I laid hands on him inside the mall, and I began to pray over him. I began to speak blessings over him, and God gave me an unction to give him a word. I gave him that word, and it was exactly what he needed. I'm telling you, you never know where God has you and what he wants to use you for. You think it's ordinary. You think it's just another day. But if you just look around with spiritual eyes, you can understand that God is trying to use your life. That God wants to sign through you. Amen? God knows where you work. God knows where you're working out at the gym at. God knows where you're getting gas. God knows your day. He has foreknowledge. He knows everything that's going to happen. And I promise you, he knows everything that did happen. Amen? But we have to be willing vessels that are willing to get outside of self and let the light of God shine through us. Amen? Amen. We're not the light of the church. We're the light of the world. And we should be ashamed of ourselves if we're, if we're discouraged or we're ashamed to admit that light anywhere besides these four walls. Amen? People need Jesus. And sometimes, you know, unknowingly, you know, and just in the back of our conscience, sometimes we can become selfish with our faith. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. We done got saved. We done got, God done sent us a, a, a husband. God done sent us a wife. God done put money in our pocket. We got all these blessings. So we're good. And the whole time God's like, I only did all that for you so you could shine. But you're not shining, child. You won't get outside of self, get outside of comfort and go tell somebody and explain to somebody that God did it for me, he can do it for you too. Amen? It's time for the church to sign. Amen? But that means we got to get outside of the church walls and take our light where it gets dark. And that's what's so awesome about our ministry, man. We go out into the highways. We go out into the byways. We'll go where the other churches won't go. In fact, we'll go where the other churches are scared to go. Amen? Yeah, sometimes, you know, and I don't speak in any nature specifically, but some churches, man, sometimes they only hit neighborhoods that they know can come put an offering in the basket. Huh? And so that's why it's really encouraging that I was brought up here in Victory Life. I was brought up in the fire. I was brought up in a church that are willing to go where you know nobody's about to come to church and put an offering in. And in fact, you probably, once they get plugged in, you're probably going to have to support them for a while until they grow in God and get on their feet. Hello. Amen. Amen. But we got to go to the dark places in order to shine. Amen. Amen. And so next time, you know, your leader puts you on a bad route if you're in the ministry, you know, say, thank you, Jesus. You meant it for evil leader, but God going to mean it for good. Huh? Got to get some help. Amen. Yeah, but it takes a really mature person. It takes a really mature person to have that kind of outlook. Amen? Some of y'all be ready to get outside and box. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, God, man, God has his ways. God has his ways. I just remember, man, when I was fundraising, it's like crazy. 
Like God can God can have you like, you know, have a tough day while you're out there. And, and the reason it's tough is because he's trying to maneuver you where he wants you. And that's the only way he can get you to where he wants you. And sometimes we're over here facing rejection and going through this and going through that. And the reality was God just had to make our path like this. He had to put us on this course in order to get us to that one person that needed to track or needed to flyer or needed encouragement or needed a seed or just needed something to share to them that's going to impact their day. Amen? I bet most of the people that are in the program right now, you're here because somebody got a flyer to somebody you know if they didn't hand a flyer to you. Amen? So it was men and women that were willing to go where God wanted to send them for that day in order to do what he wanted them to do. Amen? Amen. And that's God's love that radiates in our hearts, that radiates in our lives. Amen? But it's time to shine. It's time to shine. We're the light of the world. We've got to be willing to go outside the church to where it's dark. You're saved to shine. In fact, the only reason God still has you here Because he wants you to shine. If God didn't want you to shine, God would take you home because I promise you, God wants to spend time with you. He wants you with him. That's why the Apostle Paul said, listen, it's better for me to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. But he said, it's better for you that I don't go ahead and go. And so the only reason God still has you here is because he wants you to shine. He wants to use your life. Are you with that? Amen? Amen. And that don't, look, that don't always mean that you're going to be a preacher. That don't always mean you're going to be a missionary. Like I said before, God may want you to minister to the person that you go get gas from every Tuesday. You go to the gas station and get gas, and little did you know that God was having you establish a relationship with that person, and that's why you always go there and get gas, because one day they're going to come to work, and they're going to have a bad day. They're going to come from a broken relationship. They're going to be crying. They're going to be hurt, and you walk up, and you just came out of prayer, and God says, child, I got a word for this person. Once you go ahead and get out of the way and let me use your life in order to sign into their life so they can receive me and know me as the Lord and Savior of their life. Amen? It's time to shine. We're saved to shine. Don't hide your testimony. Don't be ashamed to take your Bible to work. Don't be ashamed or afraid to pray over your lunch while you're, while you're at work. Let others know that you love the Lord Jesus. Amen? And so that's who he was speaking to. That's what he was speaking about. And, and how are we to do that? How can we shine for God? Well, Jesus said that we are let our light shine before men in such a way that they will see our good works and glorify God. That's how we do it. We have to surrender our lives to him completely. Christ says we are to let our lights shine. In other words, when you get right with God, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, correct? And he will simply shine through that connection you have with the Holy Spirit now in your life. And I'm telling you, you can't help it. It's just going to pour out. That's why sometimes, like in the home, somebody's been in our program. They've been in our program nine months or a year. And they, they don't, you know, they're not really outspoken or they don't say much. And then you hand them a mic to go testify or you put them out in the streets to, to witness or something. And all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, my gosh. It's like we had an undercover preacher the whole time. It's because these people are sitting in, in this program. We're sitting in the chairs, and the Word of God's just getting spoon-fed to us, spoon-fed to us, spoon-fed to us. We're at the home, or we're in the church, and we're just worshiping, praying, and we're getting the Word stuffed in us, stuffed in us, stuffed in us. I'm telling you, in the ministry, you get so much Word in you, it can't help but come out of you. Amen? That's how we do it. You can't help it. 
And so I ask you this evening, are you willing to burn brightly for the Lord? Amen. John 16, Faith signs best in the dark, though. Faith signs best in the dark. Faith signs best in times of crisis. And the word says this. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And so no matter what tribulation as a nation we're experiencing, no matter what epidemic we're experiencing globally, how many know Jesus said, I've already overcame all of it. And if I live in you, you've overcame it too. And so we're to radiate that. We're to sign with that. We're to let people know. And with everything we got going on with this, you know, coronavirus and all the other darkness, you know, as, as I was kind of studying and looking at it, you know, some Christians can be tempted to look back into history. And, uh, you know, during other plagues and distresses, there was this one in particular that stuck out. It was a plague that started around 250 A.D. And this is, you know, just a couple hundred years after the church is really just getting going. You know, they're, they're, they're starting to, to learn, you know, their way. You know, God's, you know, growing churches here and all over. They're spreading out. You know, they just, Christian faith starting to take, take fire. It's starting to get spread. And there was a plague. And this plague at its height killed 5,000 people a day. It ravaged the Roman Empire right when Christianity was starting to really get going. It ravaged the Roman Empire. And Christians during this plague, during this time, during this tribulation, during this distress, Christians from all over stood out. In other words, these Christians signed. Why? Because they were willing to give service to the sick. Because they believed God was sovereign over death. Huh? They believed God was sovereign over death. They were willing to minister to the sick even at the cost of their own lives because they knew this is not the life that they're going to end up with in eternity. Amen? And how many know this right here? This right here, it, it not only stuck out to us today as we begin to hear it and I began to study it, how many know it stuck out to the unbelievers during that time? They said, whoa, there's something with these people. They're willing to come out here and feed us and take care of us and minister to us. How many know because it was a dark time nationally. It was a dark time in the Roman, the Roman area. It was a really dark time. But these Christians on a mission from God did what God wanted them to do in that time. No matter how fearful they could have been, they lived a life of faith. And how many know they signed? And because they signed, the, the, the light inside of them won many over for the faith. Won many over for the kingdom of God. Won many souls for Jesus. Because in times of crisis, saints, we are called to respond with faith. You know that, that word faith. Not just my wife. Faith. Amen? Faith. You ever heard this ain't no cakewalk? This a faith walk. You ever heard that? You probably hear it all the time around home. We're not called to react out of fear. We're called to respond out of faith. And one of the best realities that we can hold on tight to during a time of crisis is we don't have to face this alone. Come on, somebody. We don't have to face this alone. We got somebody that's always with us that will never leave us and will never forsake us. And during times of crisis, as Christians, as believers, we need to be praying and speaking the promises of God. 
This needs to be things that are coming out of our mouth. We need to be praying the promise of God. We need to be speaking the promises of God. And we can either respond to a crisis two ways. Out of faith or out of fear. Amen? And a lot of times, half of us just be tripping and we don't even know, we don't even got a reason to trip. We don't even know what's going on. You know, the devil said boo once and ah, now we scared. We running for the hills. Because a lot of times fear, I don't know if you ever heard this acronym, but fear is false evidence appearing real. And so what the enemy does is he works you up in your mind, some crap that's not even true, puts it in your mind, gets you dwelling on it, and you think it's real, and now it's got you stirred up, and you're wanting to make a move out of fear, not out of faith. Amen? Something that's not even there. Something that's not even real. Something that doesn't even, you know, isn't even going to do that. It's in your mind, and it's got you all worked up, right? I remember as a kid, my dad used to take me to deer leases, and I remember uh, I used to wear his shirts, and he was a bigger guy, and I, you know, I was like four or five years old, so I'd wear his shirts, I like wearing the bed or whatever, and I was, come, I was uh, leaving the camper, and I was going outside the camper, and I was going to the porta potty and as I was going to the porta potty it's really dark, like it's real dark, I can't see my, my, my hand in front of my face, and so I'm just, you know, I'm a faith walker, I'm a faith walker, just walking by faith, just walking step by step, step by step, I got this big shirt on, and I remember I'd walked up, and I remember this. This, this affected me as a kid. And so this memory is still with me. <laughs> and I remember I'm walking, I'm walking, and all of a sudden, I, my, my shirt gets tugged. And I'm, I was just like, oh, I'm dead. That's it. <laughs> they got me. They got me. And so as, I'm, as, as it gets tugged, I continue to walk even more, and, and it gets tighter. And then I'm walking, I'm walking even more, and then I start getting to a point where I start running. <laughs> And as I'm running, I can't, I'm just running in place. I'm not going nowhere. And my shirt's tight. You're like, something's got me. And then I start screaming, Dad, they got me. They got me. And I'm screaming for my dad, Dad, help. They got me. I'm dead. They got me. And all this while, I hear my, my dad, and he's like behind me, a few feet behind me, and he's just laughing. And I'm like, why are you laughing? I'm about to die. You know, I'm like running. Well, it comes to find out, he, he lifts my shirt up. My shirt got caught on the trailer hitch. <laughs> And this is still a story my dad tells people to today. He went in the camper, told, you know, told my mom, told his wife, and they were just cracking up laughing because I was petrified. I mean, I was covered in fear. Fear had controlled me because I thought something had me and something that had me wasn't even there. It wasn't even real. It wasn't even a thing. But it had me so scared and I was running as fast as I could and I wasn't even getting nowhere. And sometimes this is what we do when I walk with God. We can be living in fear and something that ain't even real has us just using all our energy and using all our effort to try and get away from it and it's not even real. And our Father's behind us in heaven and He's just laughing. <laughs> Amen? Something that's not even real. Fear. Amen? How many know 2 Timothy 1.7 says what? That's right. So God didn't give us a spirit of fear. So when a spirit of fear comes upon us, how many know it didn't originate in heaven? It didn't come from heaven. It didn't come down from the golden city. It didn't come down from God. It didn't come down from the throne room where Jesus and the fathers are, are conversating. That's not where it came from. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I believe if some of us grabbed a hold of that sound mind, we'd be making a lot of better decisions for ourselves instead of operating out of fear. Amen? 
You know, when a crisis hits, we can either operate out of fear, like that little Zachariah running when nothing's, you know, chasing him, with his with shirt stuck. We can we can respond like that, or we can respond by faith. Amen. We can respond by faith. You know, and, and as I was writing this sermon, I was trying to think of a, you know, a crisis that I experienced. You know, while I was walking with God. You know, I had all kinds of crises when I wasn't walking with God. Hello. You know, it was like every other day there was a new crisis. You know. <laughs> There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on, you know, but I was, I was like, well, when I was walking to God and God reminded me that, you know, some of you know this, some of you may have even been here, but a lot of you probably don't know this, but <laughs> some years ago, we actually had a death in the ministry, and yeah, it was crazy, man, and what had happened <laughs> is one of our guys, um, we had sent a group of our guys to go take someone to an appointment, and also take a young man to uh, the school, you know, one of the church members, you know, children, take them to school. And, you know, I'd call them to check on them, make sure they're all right. And while I'm on the phone with them, talking to them, you know, I hear all these crazy noises. And it comes to find out an 18-wheeler just T-boned them going like 80 miles an hour. Boom, spun around. You know, uh, a couple, you know, I showed up on the scene because I, I got in my car and I showed up on the scene. And when I got there... There was a girl bleeding out in the middle of the highway screaming. There was, a, there was another young man in the ditch all bruised up. There was another young man in the middle of the highway in the other lane whose neck was broke and, and like part of their back was broke just laying in the highway screaming out in pain. And as I walked by and, and looked in the van and there was a young man who was one of our homeboys in the ministry, he was laying there lifeless. He died on impact. And I remember how tormented the, the, the enemy had me and how much he just had my mind and he, he was just eating me up because, you know, when something like that happens, you know, you, you always feel like it's your fault. You know, d- during that time, you know, I would say, man, that's my fault. I shouldn't have sent them to do that. I shouldn't have sent them in that vehicle. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have sent that person. And I would just beat myself up. And the only thing, because this is how I used to handle problems, the only thing I knew to do was pack my bags and get out of here. Because that's how I used to respond to situations. Out of fear. That's how I used to respond to situations. And, and I thought I took blame. I took responsibility. I said it's my fault because I'm actually the one who decided who got in that car that day. I went to the kitchen. There was three or four guys. And I said, hey, you, you get in the car. And, and this, this is what really trips me out. The three or four guys that were in the kitchen that I, I, I had to choose out of to go get in that vehicle that day. I chose, they were doing discipline in the kitchen. They were washing dishes. And so I looked and I said, well, which one of y'all has the best attitude and which one of y'all are doing the best? And I said, this young man, he has the best attitude and he's doing the best. And so I said, I want to pull this man off of his discipline, bless him and let him go for a car ride. That was why I made that decision. I chose the one who was doing the best at the time, had the best attitude because I wanted him, you know, to, to hey, you know, not have to do dishes right now because you're doing great, man. You're doing good. Keep it up. And I chose him to go that day. And how many of you know, that was his last car ride ever. Amen. And I remember this crisis that I was in. And, and I would pray. And, you know, I was like this close to leaving. This close to leaving. And I remember I was actually looking for the letter today. During this was going on, I actually received a letter. And the letter was from Anonymous. And I opened up the letter and I read it. And it was just a, 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 a big uh, paper with all these scriptures. And somebody wrote on there, it says, Zachariah, you had nothing to do with this. When it's your time, it's your time. And there is nothing nobody can do. There's nothing nobody can prevent. When God wants to take you home, God is taking you home. 
And when I read that letter, it spoke to me. It encouraged me. It began to stir up faith in me. And I said, you know what? This is hard right now. This is tough right now. I'm facing condemnation right now. I'm going through all this craziness right now. But I said, you know what? I'm going to approach this situation by faith. I'm going to understand that my God is still in control. My God wanted that young man home with him. My God wanted to bring that young man to heaven. God is in control. God is faithful. He will not leave me. He will not forsake me. And I began to respond to this crisis out of faith. And how many know within that situation, God began to show me things and teach me things. And within that situation, our ministry began to uh, uh, grow and we began to put things in place that we didn't have in place before. God used that situation to take us to another level. And I responded to it by faith, not out of fear like I used to. And it propelled me not only in my walk with God, but also in ministry. But it was a crisis. Now, I know it's quiet in here, but I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't going to be the last one. I'm not talking about death. I'm talking about crisis. Because just like today in America, everybody's going crazy. They're going crazy over this stuff. Going left and right. And some of us say, oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal until it's one of your family members. It's no big deal until it's in your face. Amen? And so, but we have to learn as Christians, we have to respond to these crises with faith. Not react out of fear, but respond with faith. To have the understanding and the reality that God is still in control. God didn't, God didn't, you know, God's not up there and like, okay, I wanted to use this ministry to impact East Texas. Oh, snap. Oh, look, coronavirus. I forgot about that. You know, that's not how it played out in heaven. That's not how it played out in heaven at all. Amen. God has foreknowledge. He already knew what's coming. He already knew what's going to take place. Amen? And if God ain't through with you yet, you ain't going nowhere. Amen? He still has the final say. I don't know if, you, if you've read this book. I don't know if you, you've read the Easter story. I know you like to uh, have, take your kids out and pick eggs and put a nice uh, Easter outfit on. But in that Easter story, the Bible says that Jesus did die. And when he died, he took the keys to death and hell. And the Bible says he indeed rose again. And when he came back, when he was resurrected, when he was here chopping it up with the disciples, eating tilapia and, and fish tacos... The glorified, resurrected Jesus said, hey, by the way, uh, I'm the king over death now. I'm the king over it. It has no power no more, disciples. It has no power no more, church. It has no more power, Christians. And so if I have you here, it's because there's a reason I have you here. And you're not going nowhere. Death isn't touching you or getting close to you until I say it's time. Amen? Can I get a witness? Do it like a black church. Huh? And God said, in three days he will rise again. And he did. And he wants you to shine. Amen? But that's how I responded by faith. And I'm telling you, man, if you haven't already been in a crisis as a Christian... I promise you, you're going to experience something. Because once you get saved, it's not like everything's a skip in the park and everything's just all peachy and, and great and everything's just all happy. You know what I'm saying? You're going to experience death of loved ones. You're going to experience, you know, uh, medical tragedies. You're going to experience hardships. You're going to experience broken hearts. 
You're going to go through things as a Christian. That's why the Bible told us, I think it's Peter, he said, hey, don't consider it a strange thing when a fiery trial comes upon you. Don't consider it a strange thing when a new virus pops up. Don't consider it a strange thing when someone in the ministry dies. Don't consider it a strange thing when it's tough right now in your life. But know that the testing of your faith produces character. Amen? And character, hope. Somebody say hope. Hope. Yeah. But we got to respond to a crisis by faith, not out of fear. Like I said, most of y'all, you know, anytime you had a crisis pop up, you, your solution was get, get the heck out of Dodge. Pack up and get on somewhere else until another crisis pops up. <laughs> then move on to the next. <laughs> they used to nickname Crisis Chris. You know what I'm saying? Every time you come around, something crazy going on. New crisis, tragedy, something crazy happening. You know what I'm saying? But God has called us to shine, saints, by responding to a crisis by faith. And I promise you, the world right now is looking at the church. The world has their eyes on the church right now. How's the church going to act? How's the church going to respond? What's the church going to do? What are they going to do about this? The eyes are on the church right now. It's our time to shine. Come on now. It's our time to shine. Amen? But the only way we can shine is if we have the light within us. Amen? And how many know the light within us? It ain't our light. It's his light. We only reflect what he gave us. We only reflect that the light that he possesses. We reflect it. Amen? And I've shared this before, but it's kind of like the sun and the moon. You know the sun? You ever been outside and looked at the sun? You know, stared into the sun? It's bright. Amen? It's real bright. It shines. And uh, a while back, you know, I never knew this, but I, I've, I've come to find this out when I was writing a sermon one time, that, uh, you know, the moon doesn't have its own light. The moon don't have its own light. Right? You see, the moon only reflects the light it gets from the sun. It doesn't possess its own light. It only reflects the light that it gets from the sun. Right? But check this out. There is actually only one time that the moon don't reflect the light, that the moon don't shine. What's it called? It's called an eclipse, right? And do you know what an eclipse is? An eclipse is when the world gets between the sun and the moon. You see, as a Christian, the only time you're not going to shine is when the world gets between you and Jesus. And the reason some of the church isn't shining is because we've allowed the world to infiltrate our churches. We've allowed the world to infiltrate our families. We've allowed the world to infiltrate our personal lives. And that's why we ain't shining like we need to shine. We having some spiritual eclipses walking around this place. Amen? Listen, we may be in the world... But we're not of the world. We may see what the world sees. We may hear what the world hears. And we may experience what the world experiences. But as a Christian, we're called to respond to it differently. That's why if you're all, you know, in the home, you, know, you, you kind of get protected from this stuff. That's, the, that's one of the boundaries and the protections you get when you come into the ministry. 
But listen, if, if you're not in the home or ministry, if you're at a point in, in, in your you know, walk with God that, that you have access to things, how many know if you're constantly watching the news, you're constantly hearing the radio, you're constantly seeing stuff online on Facebook and Instagram about corona this, corona that, people dying here, toilet paper, can't find it nowhere, you know, going through this, going through that. How many know you can begin to get a little discouraged? You can, you can even get a little fearful, right? You find yourself at the, at the store, you know, buying four or five things of toilet paper. You know what I'm saying? You be tripping a little bit. Amen? That's why we have to feed ourselves with the word of God. Amen? You know, I was thinking about it on the way here that, you know, like say, for instance, the people in the home that don't really have access to the news. All right? Something like this, an epidemic could be going on, and you guys are protected. You don't even know what's going on. And then you can say, oh, man, I'm just missing out. Da, 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 I can't see this. I can't see that. Well, well guess what? We feed ourselves on the word of God. We feed ourselves on the word of God. So you've got to understand, there's things that's going to take place in the world and happen in the world that you're going to know about before the world knows about. I'm telling you right now, before he blows that trumpet and before he cracks that sky, we're going to have our stuff ready. We're going to be on our knees. We're going to have our churches fooled up with people worshiping and praising. And then all of a sudden on CNN and all these local eight news channels, local four, they're going to say, hey, a man's in the sky. He's cracked it. There's a trumpet being blown. We don't know what's going on. And we up in the church like, hey. Because we already know what's going to take place before the world knows it's going to happen. Because we're feeding ourselves the things of God. We're feeding ourselves the word of God. And so all this crazy going on, I mean, as a Christian, you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't count it strange whatsoever. It should not shock you. Jesus told us over 2,000 years ago, hey, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars and pestilences and, 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 and fights and, and all this crazy stuff. I mean, all this is going to happen. Children of God, this is going to happen. Saints, this is going to happen. But it's got to happen because it's birth pains. And do you know what it's birthing? Jesus cracking out eastern sky. Amen? And how many know he's coming with a shout? He's coming with a shout. Because he's been up there, Father, let me go get him. Father, let me go. I want to go get him. I want to bring him home. I want to bring him home. Let me, let me go get him. And the father be like, hey, slow down. Slow down. Not yet. Not that time. I believe, my opinion, I believe that's why he comes down with a shout. Because he's been waiting so long to bring you home. He's been waiting so long to bring you up to heaven. He's been waiting so long to get that intimacy with you, that communion with you, to bring you up to where he's at, to you to experience no pain and no tears and no depression and to experience the awesomeness of heaven. And that's why he cracks that sky and he says, Woo! Because he's so excited to go get his children. He's so excited to go get his children. Amen? Yeah. Does the Bible say he's seated at the right hand of God? Is that what it says? Huh? You ever read the, you ever read the story in, in Acts? The martyr of uh, Stephen? You ever read that? You ever read it? What does it say? They begin to, you know, he throws stones at him and he hit his knees. He said, Father... Forgive me, just like Jesus did. Had the proper response. That was the only Holy, Holy Ghost filled deacon there ever was. They killed him. That took you a minute to get that. 
The only Holy Spirit-filled deacon there ever was, they killed him. Huh? Amen. But no, you know in that story, if you read that scripture, it says that, that he looked up to heaven and he saw Jesus what? Saw what? He saw Jesus standing. Well, that's weird because the scripture tells me that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. But Stephen looks up and he says, whoa, and then I saw Jesus standing. How many know Jesus got up out of his seat not to witness the persecution, not to witness everything going on, but he was ready to bring Stephen home. He was ready to receive him home. He was ready to bring him up here to enjoy the presence of the Father. Come on, somebody. Yeah. They want us. Jesus wants us. He loves us. Like that pastor said Wednesday, you just got to let Jesus love you. That's one of the hardest things you're going to have to overcome as a Christian. Just letting Jesus love you. Amen? That's all you got to do, man. Let Jesus love you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So faith shines best in a crisis. I'm going to try and hurry this up. Faith shines best after our mistakes. Amen? Romans 8, 28. For all things work out for the good of those that are love God and are called according to His purpose. Amen? You know, I've preached on this you know, a lot, but you know, everyone watches you after you make a mistake. After you fall and do something dumb, that's when everybody's eyes are on you. They're going to watch how you respond to the mistake you made. They're going to they're gonna watch how you respond to tragedy you brought on yourself because of dumb decisions you made. Amen? And this is the time as, as a Christian, as a man of God, because none of us are perfect. There's only one that's perfect, and he's up there in heaven waiting us to come home. Amen? None of us are perfect, so we're all going to make mistakes. And so the question is, how do you respond to the outcome when you make mistakes? Because the Bible says, listen, a righteous man may fall, but he's going to get back up. Because he's a man of God and he lives his life by faith. And he says, you know what? I made a mistake. But that mistake does not label me. That mistake does not make me. That mistake is not who I am. And so I'm going to get up and I'm going to brush my shoulders off. You know what I'm saying? Brush my shoulders off. Get up and continue to follow Jesus into what he has for me. Amen? But people are watching how you, make, how you get up. You know, and it's not always how you fall. It's how you get back up. It's how you bounce back. It's how you get back in the game. It's how you get back in the faith. It's how you learn from that mistake. Get up and say, you know what? I ain't doing that again. You know? And going forward. Go to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. Everyone watches you after you make a mistake. They're trying to see if you're going to get back up. First Kings 19. And the word of God reads. <laughs> now Ahab told Jezebel. Ugh, I don't like saying that. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So you got this man named Elijah. He done called fire down from heaven. I know seeing drug addicts get changed is a miracle. And that's awesome. That's crazy to see. But I mean, fire from heaven? Like that's a whole other level, dude. This dude called fire down from heaven. 
And he was over here with these religious people, fakers and shakers, all these other religions, and they're like, your God won't do it. And he's like, hey, it's, you know what? Put some water on it. Y'all go, go put some water on it. I bet you my God still burns that sucker up. And they go and put water on it, and you know they're just mocking and making fun. He's like, all right, watch. Hold my watering can. You know, just watch. He calls fire down from heaven. Burns up all that, that heresy. Burns up all that apostasy. Burns up all that, that fake prophets, false prophets, all that stuff. You know, he's probably feeling accomplished. You know, walking away like, yeah. You know? Yeah. But in hindsight, man, it's times like this. That God got you feeling like, yeah, when the enemy's going to hit. Amen? A lot of us, when, when we're down, we can recognize the enemy. But sometimes when we're up, it's hard to recognize the enemy. Because success sometimes can puff you up. Amen? That's what Pastor was saying this morning. When you're in the valley, God tests your faith. When you're on a mountain, God tests your integrity. Amen? Sometimes the success is worse to a man than failure. Because you can learn from failure. Some of us get success, we get all puffed up. Now nobody can't tell us nothing. Now that leader that helped get to where we at, man, he ain't got nothing else for me. I ain't trying to hear nothing he says. I ain't trying to receive correction. I ain't trying to receive counsel. Yet he was the very man that was in place and sacrificed his life in order to let God use him to get you to where you're at today. Amen. And now all of a sudden, you know, he ain't got nothing for you. Right? You walking away like, yeah. <laughs> Success. You see, every victory has a time of celebration, but don't let that celebration be too long. Because I promise you, before you know it, the enemy up there celebrating with you. Amen? And you don't even know it. And so then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and even more if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So Jezebel, here's what Elijah did, how he called fire down from heaven, burned up all the prophets. So uh, Jezebel gets a messenger and he says, Hey, messenger, I want you to go tell him I'm coming for him. And what he did to my, my prophets, my prophets, my people, what he did to them, I'm going to do even worse to him. Go let him know. And so the messenger comes to Elijah explains this message to him, and take it, this is the man who just called fire down from heaven. And so this messenger comes to him, says this message to him, and the Bible says this, and he was afraid and arose and ran for his life. This man started operating out of fear, and he just called fire down from heaven. So this just goes to show me, it don't matter how far in this thing you are, fear can still come after you. Fear is no discriminator. Fear don't care how long you've been walking with God. Fear don't care what you've done for God. Fear don't care what height you are, weight you are, ethnicity you are. Fear don't, don't care if you're a pastor or if you're just a deacon or lay member or if you're just a church member. Fear will come after you. And he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And right here he requested for himself that he might die. This dude doing all kinds of awesome things for God. Done great and mighty things for God. He gets out here into the wilderness under a juniper tree and he gives up. And you know everyone in here, I bet if you haven't already that you will have a juniper tree experience. You'll get to a point in your life where you're broken, you're tired 
and you just you just rather die than be here. You're over it. You're done. He said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I'm not better than my father's. He lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise, eat. So you got this man that runs out into the wilderness. He done gave up. He says, God, I'm done. I'm tired. I, I can't do this no more. Take my life. He gave up. This man gave up. And it says he woke up, and there's an angel trying to feed him right there. He says, Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey, the journey you're about to take, is too great for you. Come on now. This just goes to show me, it don't care how hard the fall was, God can always get you back up and put you on that same great journey that he had you on. So he arose, ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to horror of the mountain of God. And, and the, the greatest thing that I grabbed out of this as I read this story is that Elijah was at a point in his life, Elijah gave up. He was done. Elijah gave up. But you want to know the beauty in this story? God didn't give up. Even when Elijah gave up, God still didn't give up. Even when you give up, God still ain't done with you. God still ain't giving up on you. For the Bible tells us He's faithful to us, even when we're not faithful ourselves. Amen? He gave up, but God didn't. So when we make a mistake, man, the world's watching how we respond to it. You know? And faith shines best when we get back up. Faith shines best in the time of crisis. Also, faith shines best in times of unknown. Right. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Yeah, it's real easy when you, when you got enough money to pay all your bills. You know, and, and you got everything taken care of. But how about when you get fired? How about when tragedy hits, when crisis hits? And then God still says, hey, I still want you to stay there. And you're like, well, God, how am I going to pay the bills? You know, I don't got no way to pay the bills. And God says, hey, you don't worry about all that. Just worry about the word I gave you and being obedient to it. Let me take care of all that. Amen. You know, it, it's, it's easy to sit in here and, and, and get comfortable in our walk and have everything taken care of. But when God grabs a hold of you and begins to set you on the journey of unknown, how many know that's where real faith got to kick in? Amen? Real faith's got to kick in. You know what I'm saying? That's like, you know, when I finally, man, when I finally got comfortable running a home, doing ministry and directing a home, when I said, you know what? You know, this is, this is what God's called me to do. I, I, I surrender my life. I'm doing this, God. You know, I was directing the home, directed it for a few years, had me running the home. And right when I got comfortable in it and said, you know what, I'm willing to do this, God. I love doing this. Thank you. How many knew God said, okay, plucked me out of the home and said, now I want you to start a church and put me over here in the church. And now I'm over here in the church and I'm like, I have no idea how to start a church. I have no idea what, how to get a church going. I mean, I know ministry. I know, I know the men's home, that type of ministry. I know how to reach the addict. I know how to disciple men. I know, but a church? How many know God took me out of the comfortable and he placed me on the journey of the unknown? And now I have to solely rely not on my skill, expertise, and experience. Because when I was in the ministry home, I know all the mechanics of the home. I, can, I know everything going on. I know what you're doing even when you think I don't know what you're doing. I just haven't said nothing yet because I want you to be willing to confess it and find repentance. 
Amen? I'm going to leave that alone. I know all the mechanics of the home. I know all the workings of ministry. I know how to direct it. I know how to do every single part of it. And so, so really, I can fall into the category of maybe not relying on God in order to do that. And so God said, you know what? You're doing an awesome job, but I want to take you out of that, something you know and something you're good at, and now I want to place you into the unknown. Because now I'm over here at this church, and I have to rely on God. I have to trust God. Because I don't, I don't know what steps to take. I don't know what to do, but God is faithful. He says, hey, take your right foot and go that way with it. And take your left foot and put it in front of the right foot. And take your right foot and put it in front of the left. Right, left, right, left. And he's faithful step after step, step after step. And it's a journey of faith. It's a journey of faith. God put me here in Maybank. You know, sometimes I question it, you know, like anybody would in the unknown, right? But God placed me here. And even if God doesn't want to permanently place me here and use me here, God has me here in this season for a specific purpose. And the question is, where God has you right now, it might not be your permanent purpose destination but are you going to be faithful to where God has you right now while you're here right now because sometimes God has us somewhere just to see if we're faithful in order to take us somewhere that we really want to be and some of us can't get to where we really want to be because we're not faithful where we don't want to be amen but faith shines best in the unknown You hear me? Faith signs best in the unknown. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. You know, I was reading the story of a construction worker. And then they were doing construction at night. I don't know if it was like New York or whatever, but it was like one of the skyscrapers, you know. He was quite a ways up, probably wasn't too far up. And uh, he's working, you know, got the harness or whatever, and, you know, working on the side of the building. And all of a sudden, the the harness begins to, to, like, break and begins to fall off from the connection or whatever. So he grabs a hold of the side of the ledge. And so this guy's probably 10, 15 stories up, and he's just hanging on the ledge of the building. And, you know, it's completely dark. It's nighttime, so he can't see anything. And so, you know, he's just hanging there, and he's hanging on for dear life, screaming, help, help, you know, screaming, help, thinking he's about to die. And, you know, a little bit of, you can't hold yourself up forever. And so he's hanging there, and eventually one hand gets loose, and he's just hanging on for dear life, and he's hanging, and he lets go. And how many know he falls two or three feet? And hits a little scaffolding right here. Probably looking foolish. <laughs> Could you imagine walking by and, you know, with a flashlight home, seeing some guy screaming for life, and he's like a foot above a scaffolding? He's like, help, help. And little did he know, there's, all you got to do is just let go. That's a word to somebody. All you got to do is let go. But sometimes when it's dark and it's unknown... We think if we let go, we're going to lose something or die. But the reality is, God wants you to let go and not know what's going to happen because he's trying to produce faith in you. And all you had to do was let go and understand that God's got you. Amen. But now, thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I mean, we'd be sitting here looking crazy sometimes. I don't know how I'm going to do this, and I don't know how I'm going to get this, and I don't know. Da, 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 da. He's like, hey, man, hey, where'd you come from? 
What did you used to do? What alley, street, dope house did God find you in? What situation were you at prior to coming here? Because, because the Lord says, I redeemed you. And you've got to understand, God is the wisest of the wise. And God is not foolish. And so God, if He redeems you, He's got a purpose for His redemption. And so any problem we face from, from here forward, we've got to understand God's already got it worked out. Because I didn't place myself on this path. God did. So any problem I begin to encounter or face, he already knew that I was going to encounter and face it, and he just wanted to see if I had enough faith in order to walk this walk and allow him to work it out. He who formed you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire... Anybody ever walk through the fire? When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched. Nor will the flame burn you. Amen? Faith shines the best in the unknown. Because sometimes we ain't got to have faith to do something that we know how to do. We ain't got to have faith in order to, to, to be around what's comfortable and what's known to us. Amen? But faith shines the best in the unknown. And God will lead us in the unknown. When you think about, you know, worship team, you can come up. When you think about Abraham, you know, God gave Abraham a direction. He said, hey, get up out of your country. Get away from your family. Get away from your friends. Get away from your relatives. Leave that, leave that religious stuff behind. And he says, get out from all that and just go where I tell you to go. And Abraham didn't get a strategy going and he didn't get an itinerary. Okay, in December, I'm going to be over here. And next March, I'm going to maybe be here and have camp here. He didn't get none of that. God just said, hey, silly, get out and go where I tell you to go. So Abraham had to leave what he knew and what was comfortable to him, get outside of that, and just put one foot in front of the other and begin to walk the walk of faith. And I don't know if you know the Bible, but Abraham was truly blessed. The father of many nations... And his descendants were more numerous than the stars. He was very blessed. But he had to walk the walk of faith in order to earn that title. In order to obtain those blessings. Amen? And faith is what sets us apart, man. It's our faith that shines. Amen? Hebrews 11, 8 through 10. So in trying times, we shouldn't be fearful. We shouldn't be tripping. We should be faithful and praying. Because the scripture tells us, do not worry about anything, but pray about everything. Amen? And if you're worrying about something, you ain't praying for it. Amen? It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. He went out. What's that say? Not knowing where he was going. Abraham was walking into the unknown. He didn't know. Eight years ago, dude. Eight years ago when I first came into this ministry. And said, hey man, where you headed? I'd be like, I don't know. I'm just here because God changed my life, man. God saved me. God saved me. 
and I ain't got no desire for drugs. I lived a life of darkness. Now I'm up in this place and I'm shining. I got the light of God. I came to this place eight years ago, man, and I didn't, I didn't think that I was going to be a pastor of a church or be a director of a ministry or have a family and be a father. I didn't, I didn't know all that. Amen. God put me here. And he said, you know what? I came here as a young man. He said, you know what? When all your friends are living life and starting families and going to college, I want you in this home. And it was an unknown for me. Because, you know, I, 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 you may think I'm a dummy, but I'm actually pretty book smart. I common sense, I may be laughing at my wife. Amen. But I, I was very educated. Right? I was even in college before I came. I dropped out because of my addiction. And I come into the ministry. And so once I got my weight back on me, once I got sober, once I received Jesus, College. Go back to college, get a good degree, get a good job. Have to know, you know, that's what my, my flesh and that's what you know the, the flesh out of me said. That's what it wanted. But how many know the Holy Spirit and still small voices? Stay in this ministry. Train. Get the sight. Let me work. Let me develop you while you're here. And so as a young man, I could have invested these last eight years into a college degree. Like eight years, right, to get a good degree get a good paying job with a good degree about eight years. So I could have been investing this time in college somewhere. I could have been doing something else, right? As an intern somewhere. But God had a different plan. He said, I want you to stay in that home. And it was real unknown. And I didn't know what God had for me. I didn't know where he was taking me. All I saw was every day I woke up there was a basket of bread. You know what I'm saying? I woke up every morning to some big dude uh, uh, fighting me over the toilet and and, and every couple hours and then going out to a basket of bread. Then coming home to me and rebuking me for not having my shirt tucked. Some of y'all need to get rebuked right now. I didn't know, I didn't, you know, and I'm over here like, man, I need to go to college. You know what I'm saying? That's what God had for me. But I stayed here, man, and of course I made mistakes and I fell along the way, but I got back up. I got back up and I let God restore going forward, but I, I, I applied myself here, man, and even though my, my current situation didn't look like I wanted it to look, I applied myself while I was in it, and God saw that faithfulness, and God developed me in that, and he began to take me from level to level, from faith to faith to glory to glory, and guess what, I'm here right now, and guess what, I can understand, because I, I remember the lion, and I remember the bear. where he has me right now. Amen? Because I can see spiritually, I understand what God is doing to me right now with this church is only preparing me for where he's taking me. Amen? Some of the stuff, you know, I deal with as a pastor of the church, you know, I never dealt with directing a home. And so the stuff I dealt with is as a homeboy in the home prepared me for being a leader in the home. And being a leader in the home prepared me for being a director of a home. And being a director of a home prepared me for being a pastor of a home. Being a father of a child. Being a husband of a wife. These seasons that I faithfully applied myself in is what prepared me and developed me in order to be successful where God has placed me today. Amen. But it was an unknown. 
season of unknown right now. Right? You don't know what's ahead. You don't know what the future is. You know, but God said, hey, be still and know that I'm God. I brought you here for a reason. I planted you in the house of the Lord. I planted you in victory life ministries. I brought you Faith. 